Happy Pentecost Sunday! Woo! Amen. I got a reason to shout. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I like that graphic. I found that. I love that picture. Look at that. Think about it. The power of Pentecost in our life. The power of God. Man, how exciting that God would fill us with His Holy Spirit. Amen. And then anoint us with this Holy Spirit. And then choose to use us. Amen. Such an amazing, amazing promise we have from God. Uh, let me just say again, thank you. We're so excited that we are moving from renting to owning. How many ever rented a house? And then you got to buy a house. Amen. How many know that felt better when you go into your own home? Praise the Lord. So we're excited about being able to move from renting to owning. So blessed. So thank you for helping us sow and give and make that possible. This is going to be a great year. And uh, excited to see what the Lord's going to do. And, uh, but we just love and appreciate you. And uh, thank you for uh, believing in the vision, praise the Lord, of, of making that exodus out of just paying somebody else for a place to worship. Amen? Hallelujah. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, open up this morning to Luke chapter 24, and here in the announcements, man, if you are not involved in something this summer, especially this month, June sounds like a busy month. We got the fairgrounds coming up in two weeks. We got VBS. We got uh, the intern program starting. We got everything happening. We got youth camp in July. We got all kinds of stuff going on and uh, services here, places to be involved and serve and minister. People say, well, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Well, until you find out, just get involved what's going on. Amen. Usually you find out when you just get involved in something. The best way to find out God's plan is Get involved and start serving. That's what he does. He comes to make us a blessing. Before I get in the word this morning, Dave, if you guys got, got that clip ready, go ahead and play that. Happened that day when the Spirit arrived, when the Holy Spirit came. What happened then? It got loud, loud enough to be heard all over town. Fire appeared, divided and dispersed to each of them. The outsiders came running, and they heard the fire talkers tell of God's mighty works in their own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. The Spirit had come to describe the glory of God in their native tongues through those who followed Christ. These representatives of the world stood astounded but curious, bewildered but ready. Then Peter showed them from the scripture exactly what it meant, revealing God's promise to all who trust in Jesus. And many believed and many repented, and many were baptized, and many were saved. The Spirit had come. The church was born. Amen. So God birthed the church 
through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. There was believers, but something happened. The church was actually birthed and then really catapulted and released into its function and purpose. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, this is Jesus, just before ascending up to heaven. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were spoken in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And they opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And then in verse 48, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he tells them, I'm departing, I've been raised up, I'm going back to the Father, but also this gospel must be preached. But the way it's going to be preached is that I'm going to cover you in dude. The word do in dude literally means to clothe with, to rub in, to anoint. It means to have the anointing of God applied to our lives. Amen? And so he says, that's what's going to happen. You're going to receive the anointing. Now just turn over a little bit to Acts chapter 1. And Luke, who wrote both the book of Luke and the, the, um, the book of Acts, he said, beginning in verse 1, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day which he, in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So I want you to get that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, Are you listening to me? Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gave commandment. Not Jesus by himself, but listen to what Luke is saying. Jesus, through the anointing, the leading, the the, the cooperation between Christ and the Holy Spirit, between the Lord and the Holy Spirit, he, through the Holy Spirit, gave commandment to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after suffering many infallible proofs and being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with what? Water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, many times... I don't have time to read it in, the, in this uh, message this morning. But in Acts chapter 2, it begins and people say, oh, he gave commandments to his apostles. So that anointing was just for the apostles. But in the upper room, there was 120. 
Not just the 12, there was 120. And it says that they all were filled and they all spoke with other tongues. And the Holy Spirit came upon all of them, not just 12 of them. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. Praise the Lord. And so that's something that we need to understand. And then I want you to also understand this. When we talk about the day of Pentecost and we talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, actually this is not being born again. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not being born again. Because it said the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, not in you. You're born again by the Holy Spirit being made alive into you. Your spirit being made alive unto God. Your spirit and the Holy being made alive through the Holy Spirit. Amen? And now He dwells on the inside of you. So that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit also comes the fruit of the Spirit. So you have the nature of God on the inside. We've been made partakers of His natures. Could you say amen? So we have the nature of God on the inside. And thank God for that because how many know we need some help? Amen. We need help to live and to be the people that God needs us to be. And so the Holy Spirit dwells within us. But then this mighty baptism comes so that we would be endued with power, equipped with power to be the people and the workers that the Lord needs us and has commissioned us to be. Amen. So look at your outline with me. We're going to go through this. I gave you a lot of information and a lot of it is scripture so you can study it out. It is so important and, and I share this from time to time. But when we first started uh, a pastoring, our first senior pastorate was to pastor a church that didn't believe that the Holy Spirit baptism was for today. That it ended with the apostles. And so then I came from a background and I'm already baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm already praying in other tongues and these people don't believe that tongues is for today. And then the Lord said, you need to go be their pastor. I said, why would you do that to me? Amen. But, but through that and through that whole experience and going through that whole time and just opening the word, I had to find out, Lord, do, is what I believe really what's in the word? And that's something that's so important for each and every one of us. I heard a, a part of a message the other day and somebody talking about many times we're asked, how do we feel? And if you go by your feelings, you're going to be just a roller coaster. It doesn't matter. God doesn't care about how you feel. He cares about what you know. You shall know the truth, not feel the truth. He said you will know the truth and the truth will make you what? Free. I don't know about you. I'm glad I'm free from my emotions. My faith in Christ isn't based upon an emotional high or a feeling. It's based upon what I know, the Word of God says, and that I know of who I am in Christ. Amen? And the promises that are assured to us. Praise the Lord. And so in this, it's so important that we realize that, and in, in teaching there, I had to find out, do I believe this? Is this really what the Word teaches? So the information is here is for you to study. Go back, study these. One reason I print outline. And so you do more than just hear a message. You actually study study what you heard because it doesn't do you any good till you get it on the inside of you faith comes by hearing the word as Sean was praying you got to stir up your faith but faith only comes from the word of God amen so you can pray but you, the word is what produces our faith and having faith in the word of God and being able to walk it out so I don't know about you I need all the help I can get in life how many would agree I just need some help Daily, I'm faced with choices and, and decisions that are beyond my personal abilities, strength, and wisdom. And if there's help available from God, I want it. Amen. Who said, well, you want the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Will it help me? Yeah. I want it. 
Amen. I want it. Praise the Lord. It's hard to use something that we're not aware of, have never heard of, or have been told is not available. And that's what happened in that little church in Beaver. People have been told this isn't available. And then after being there a year, we taught on the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, everything I could think of to teach on about the Holy Spirit. Pastor Doug comes out from Raymond. We have a week-long meeting. People are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, getting healed, miracle. People who thought it wasn't for the day are now prophesying amen it's awesome the word of God is true could you say amen it's just true praise the Lord it's also tempting to think that I can do life in my own strength my own way and get the same results that I would get using God's provision in my life many times that's where Christians live living by our own strength and ability it's important for us to remember that we can never go wrong following the pattern and example of our Lord Jesus Christ how many know that if he needed to speak through the Holy Spirit we need to speak through the Holy Spirit amen so Jesus was always compassionate and sensitive to those who were sick lame lost bound oppressed and tormented by the devil yet he was highly confrontational toward the works of darkness and the religious traditions of men. Why? Because those are the things that hold men captive. And the Holy Spirit and the anointing come to set captives free. Would you agree? So look inside. So what was Jesus' pattern? He was born of and by the Spirit. In Luke chapter 1, you can go through and read the. He was born, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Next, in chapter 3, he's baptized in water. He goes to John, he says, I need to be baptized by you. John said, no, I need the baptism you have. And Jesus said, no, suffer to be so. We have to fulfill everything. Everything has to be fulfilled. And so suffer to be so. And so he's baptized in water. But then, he, the Bible says he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's the, the word to John is, this is how you will know that he is the Messiah. This is the one that you are to follow or to relinquish over to uh, uh, or pass the baton to. And that is the one upon whom you see the Spirit of God descending upon him and remaining. So at Jesus' baptism, he's baptized by John in the water. And he literally sees the Holy Spirit coming down in a form that looked like a dove resting upon Jesus. Not going inside of him, but coming upon him. I mean, no, he's already alive by the Spirit. In the same way you and I, the same pattern for you and I, we are born of the Spirit. But then this mighty baptism comes to our life where we are baptized. How many know being baptized is different than being born again? We, we understand that distinction. We know what it means to be born of the Spirit and then to be water baptized. Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just that. It is a baptism. It is an immersion into the Holy Spirit. It's not receiving the Holy Spirit in you, even though it's being called being filled with the Spirit, and that term is synonymous with that, but it's the anointing of God upon our lives. Are you with me? And so in that, so he's filled with the Spirit. Then in chapter 4 and verse 1, we see that, that Jesus is now being led by the Spirit. And then he comes out of that season of temptation. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then he's empowered and anointed by the Spirit. And it says that he returned in the power and in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he comes out and he goes into the church at Nazareth. And he begins his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. So here he is, Jesus, is born and conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's born of God, born of the Spirit, made alive unto God and living this life. But 
But then his ministry begins after he's baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus did nothing in ministry except he did it by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Amen. He has anointed me to do the work of the ministry. So this is how God became all men and lived his life as a pattern for us to follow. Man in complete fellowship and unity with the Father, fully knowing his Father's will and being led by the Holy Spirit to fulfill his purpose in life. So what happened? We need to be following the instructions in the pattern of Christ. In John chapter 14... Jesus begins, and like I said, I put a lot of reference in here for you to take back and study. In John 14, verses 8 through 18, Jesus speaks to his disciples the night before he's crucified. The last night, the last few moments he has with his disciples in personal teaching after they, they, they've had communion, after they've shared the Passover meal, after they've had this time, he begins to teach them. John chapter 13, they have communion together. Judas goes out to betray him. And then Jesus, with his disciples, is teaching them and he's giving them the instruction, I'm going away. It is to your benefit that I go away. If I don't go, he, the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I go, the Father will send him to you. And when he comes, and he gives instruction about how the Holy Spirit is with us. And this is what is so important for us to remember. And why on days like today, on the anniversary of Pentecost, that we should remember. God said, I'm going to be with you. God's chosen way to be with you and I today is through him by his Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with you every moment, every day. He's going to be with you, in you, and upon you. Come on, the Holy Spirit is in you. He's following all around you, and then he's on you. Come on, you're totally engulfed with the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen? And then we just need to live in awareness. People say, I just don't, I've had people say, I just don't feel like God is here. How can you not feel God? He is in you. He is upon you. He is with you. Amen. Because relationship with God is not a feeling, it is a knowing. It's just like my relationship with my wife. I know that she loves me. I don't have to feel like she loves me. I know she loves me. How do I know? Because after 38 years, she is still with me. Come on, you can't love me and not be with me. Amen. And so she is with me after all these years. She has never left me. She is there through thick, through thin, to put up with one another. How do we know? If people are with you, come on, they love you. You don't have to. F As Sean was saying in, in the offering time, all we hear around us is fear and worry and concern. And then we're constantly told to be led by our emotions. Everything, how do you feel? How does that make you feel? Who cares? So you want to be, you want to be led by that. How long is that going to wait? I, I mean, how long is that going to last? Feelings change with every circumstance and every situation. But when you live by knowing, amen? And then we get in that area, and that's where it happens with spouse. It just doesn't feel the same. No, it's different because you're not the same. Trying to help somebody here. Amen. See, when, when, you, when, you first, when a couple first meets, they're all excited. They're lovely dovey. You're usually pretty young. You don't have any common sense or brains. 
Amen. So now we fall in love and we're all emotional and our emotions are running and we're doing all that. But then we settle down to doing life and now we just have to will to make this happen. Because love is centered in your will, not in your emotions. Love is a choice of will. And when you will, I will love you. I choose to love you. I live to love you. Amen. And so then we just get down to living and loving out of our will towards one another. And being born again, we get saved. Man, it is glory. This is great. We have all this freedom in God, this great relationship. It is awesome. And then you get down to the work of being a believer. And you just will. I will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? And so we live out of our will, not out of our emotion. So Jesus teaches all this about the help of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, he comes and his purpose to reveal things to us. His purpose comes to reveal the hidden things of God and show us things to come. In John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34, he is now the one who comes upon you. Jesus is identified by John as the one who would baptize us with the Holy Spirit. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, John says, I'm baptizing you in water. Get this. But he said, there's one coming after me. There's another baptism that's coming into your life. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. These are two specific baptisms in, in two very distinct elements spoken of here one is water the other is the holy spirit when we bring our baptismal out here and we fill that thing with water and we put people down and they're baptized in the water well jesus john is saying here there's a baptized where you're going to be immersed into the holy spirit and the bible says that when we're raised up out of the water we're raised up in newness of life and when you're baptized with the holy spirit you're raised up in an anointing and the power of the holy ghost somebody ought to shout amen Come on, it is good news. Amen? So think about it. John baptized with water. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Ghost. John is connected to inner cleansing of our sins. The inner cleansing. This is what happened. See, as, as Sean referenced in, in the offering this morning and in communion this morning, in, in the old temple, in the, in, in the tabernacle there, there was the Holy of Holies. And that was the residing place of the Spirit of God. And then Jesus' death tore the veil in half and God was released. Now the residing place of the Holy Spirit is in you. You are now the Holy of Holies. God has washed you and cleansed you with his blood, sanctified you, set you apart. That's why Paul said to, for, to the church at Corinth, don't you know you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you. So in your spirit is the Holy of Holy. That's where God dwells. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Think about that. So wonderful. <laughs> and so Jesus brings a baptism with power for service and ministry. The inner work of the Holy Spirit is connected to the fruit of the Spirit. If we had it, we'd reach it. Re read it in Galatians. Love, joy, gentleness, temperance, meekness, faith. All those things belong to us, are, are the fruit of the Spirit on the inside. People say, I lost my joy. Well, are you still saved? Then how can you lose your joy? Because your joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is not a feeling. I just don't seem to have any joy in my walk with God. That's because you got stinking thinking. Amen. You just have, most, most of our problem is just, we, we just have a lot of confusion between our ears. 
Amen. That's why the Bible says, don't, don't, don't be conformed to this world. You're listening too much to the world. Come on, you can't pray in the Holy Ghost. You can't read your Bible. You can't walk in the Spirit and, and, and lose your joy. So you're walking in something else. You're listening to something else. Instead of praying, you're talking to somebody else. I heard Pastor Casey say it the other day, a, a clip I heard of him. He was talking about, you know what, people go, man, I, I need to call my friend. I need to text my friend. I, I need to FaceTime my friend. But yet we never have time for prayer with God. Yeah. When was the last time you called God, texted God, had some FaceTime with God? Amen. Right. Hey, you might find your joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Are we doing all right? Hallelujah. So think about it. So the fruit of the Spirit comes. The outer work of the Holy Spirit is connected to the gifts of the Spirit. The inner work is the fruit, but the anointing is the release of the gifts of the Spirit on the inside of us. Both are for our help. Matthew 3, we read about it. Jesus relied, uh, relied upon the same help as we do. A voice came from heaven. The Holy Spirit descended upon him, and he began his ministry. He was led by the Spirit in, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Luke chapter 4, Jesus being filled by the Spirit, led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Jesus chapter 4 again, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, and he declared, the Spirit of the Lord isn't in me. He is upon me. So what happens when we take his advice. What happens when we take the advice of the Lord Jesus Christ? Think about it. He said, as we read, go and tarry until you are endued with power. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. He didn't do things in his own ability. And something amazing, we need those reminders. Wait a minute, why am I getting frustrated? Why am I feeling drained? Why am I being worn out? Because I'm probably trying to do too much in my own strength and in my own ability. But we have this promise of a mighty baptism of power. The Holy Spirit has come and the promise of the Father is that you and I would receive power, dunamis, dynamite, explosive power in our life. No Christian, no believer should ever feel powerless. Should never feel like you can't overcome, like you can't defeat the enemy, like what am I going to do or have a word. Come on, we have God living on, how many know the Holy Spirit is God? And we have God living on the inside of us. Are you kidding me? God lives in you. God. All of who he is is in you. When was the last time you got excited about Christ in you, the hope of glory? Paul said, hey, here's the mystery. It's been hidden. Christ is going to be in you. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, if I stay here, the best I can be is with you. But if I go to the Father and I'm received by him, then the promise will come and I will come to you. Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are the triune three-in-one God. And when you have one, you have all three. That's why Jesus said in John 16, we will come and make our abode in you. Glory to God. God living on the inside of us. How exciting is that? Well, I just don't get very excited about the Lord. Are you kidding me? How can you not? And then we want to be brainiacs about God. 
We want to argue and debate over stupid stuff and prove we're smarter than somebody else about a certain principle in the Word of God. And then when you get all done proving how smart you are, what would you accomplish? You got a, a notch in your six-shooter. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Not one life was changed. Amen? Not one person rescued from hell. Not one sick person healed. Not one uh, answer provided for anybody. But bless God, we feel better, don't we? Glory to God. Amen. So think about it. How much more do we need to rely on the help of the Holy Spirit? Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Are you getting this this morning? Maybe we just get excited again about being saved. Amen. Some people need to just get excited about getting saved again. Come on, some of us just need to be born again again. Amen. That's what Jesus said. Go back to your first love. Go back to that place of excitement. Many times when I talk to people in marriages, this is what I tell them in marriage camps. Hey, one day, there was a day you liked each other. There was a day you loved each other. You look at each other's eyes. You, 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 back in the old day, we used to just, Pastor Sue and I used to just call each other and breathe on the phone. We didn't even have to. We just wanted to hear each other breathe. Do you have anything to say? No. You want to hang up? No. Okay. You still there? Yes. As long as, so, but, but why? Because we were in love. We were in love, and we wanted to be with someone. And if something about our love and our passion for God has dwindled away, if we no longer just want to be in His presence and just hear the breath of God flowing over, God doesn't even have to speak. Just let me be where I can hear Him breathing His presence over my life. Are you with me? But we get back to that place. And then I tell I said, you, you had romance in your life. And even in our walk with God, we were romancing. We were calling. We were doing all the things of love in that beginning play. And just walking that. That's why I say sometimes we just need to get born again, again. Go back to that place. Rejuvenate, restore, and, and just start falling in love afresh and anew. Paul's in 1 Corinthians 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and what? power he also wrote them said hey the kingdom of god is not in word but is in power chapter four that your faith should not be in what the wisdom of men we have great orators today great communicators, talk a lot but have no power that's why paul said hey there are many people that are puffed up and when i come i will not know your words i want to know your power and you and i are called to walk and to live in the power of the holy spirit Jesus said when the holy ghost has come upon you you're going to receive power he didn't say you're going to get real smart Amen? But he said he's going to bring his power upon us. And yes, the Holy Spirit brings wisdom and brings clarity and brings understanding to our life. But most of all, if, how many know knowledge puffs up? And so we get all puffed up in our knowledge. And so now we're walking, we're trying to do everything in the strength of knowledge instead of by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
Praise the Lord. So what are the results of obedience? In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, they were all filled. And then in verses 14 through 41, Peter begins to preach, and over 3,000 are saved. And he declares that it's to everybody who is afar off. In chapter 4, they prayed and were all filled again. In Acts chapter 8, Philip goes down and preaches Samaria, but it says, as of yet, the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon any of them. They were only water baptized in the name of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. In Acts chapter 9, Ananias is sent to Paul for this purpose. Ananias comes in, hey, the Lord appeared to me, and I've come for you to receive your sight and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul's already saved, but now he's being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Think about it. In Acts chapter, in 1 Corinthians 14 is where Paul declared, he says, I speak in tongues more than y'all. Where did he get it? The same way everybody else got it in the book of Acts. When Ananias laid his hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit, Paul was baptized with the Holy Spirit, began praying in another tongue. Can you say amen? And then think about it. Acts chapter 10, you get the Holy Ghost surprise. Peter says, I'm going to go down and tell them everything I know about Jesus. And the Lord says, all I want you to do is just start talking. They're already ready. So if you just start talking, I'll do my job. And then you get the Holy Ghost surprise. And while Peter's preaching, the Holy Ghost falls on them just like he did on the day of Pentecost. And they all begin to speak. Everybody in the house gets filled. They all begin to speak in tongues and prophesy, declaring the wonderful works of God. And Peter goes, well, I guess it's for them too. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for a select few. It's for everybody. And he gives that declaration in Acts 11 when he goes back. In Acts 18, Apollo shows up and, he, the, and Aquila and Priscilla take him aside and explain to him the way or the walk more excellently, saying that he only knew the baptism of John. So they get this fiery Baptist preacher and they get him over here and turn him into a Pentecostal dynamo. Hallelujah. And then in Acts chapter 19, Paul runs into these disciples at Ephesus, and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they go, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And he goes, well, let me help you out. So then they get baptized again in water, and then when they come up out of the water, just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they all begin to speak and pray in tongues. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit also releases his gifts to work through our lives, giving us the ability to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort to the Lord. The will of God for every one of us in church is that we would be an effective, productive member that brings edification, exhortation, and comfort to the church. That everything we do, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, let everything be done unto edifying. Paul said everything I want to do that the church might be edified, strengthened, and built up. God enables us through the Holy Ghost to be a person who brings edification into the body. That means when we come together, we should desire to be used by God. Come on, you don't always have to stand up in front to be used by God. You can be used by God in the parking lot. You can be used by God in the fort. You can be used by God just being in a pew next to you. You can be used by God just sharing the word of encouragement that God gives to somebody. Amen. There's so many ways that the Holy Spirit can work through our lives. Think about it. The Holy Spirit also brings the third essential baptism to our life. You're there in 1 Corinthians. Go to chapter 12. Are you doing okay? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. Now watch this. 
So we're talking about baptism this morning. There are three essential baptisms in the life of every believer. Three baptisms that are essential to the life of every believer. Number one is to repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. Number two is the baptism with the anointing or the Holy Spirit. To be baptized with the power of God upon your life. And number three is to be baptized into the body of Christ. Amen. Now, how many know when we do water baptism, it's helpful if the candidates are willing? It goes much better, much smoother if people want to be baptized and are cooperating. You understand what I'm saying? It just goes better. Now, if there's people that we know that need to be baptized and haven't been baptized, we can prepare the baptismal. But getting them in is going to be an interesting scenario. Unless they want to be baptized. Unless they desire to be baptized. Amen. There takes agreement and cooperation. Are you with me? There must be agreement and cooperation. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13. For by one spirit we are all baptized into what? So the body of Christ is now the element that we are baptized into. But in order to be baptized into the body of Christ, you have to be willing and you have to be agreeable. So you are baptized into the body. And when you're baptized into the body, you're given your place of function. You're, you're set in the body. We are set there by the Holy Spirit. And so the body is now the element. The church is now the element. We have a lot of Christians today. Well, I go to church, but I'm not really baptized in the church. I'm not a part of it. I go and I hear a little message that helps me and my wife. That's not being baptized into that's not being connected. Because if I'm baptized into the person of that, is that we become one body. Yeah. Amen. I'm now married. I'm joined to. I'm a part of the body of Christ. Are you listening to me? So important. So he says we're baptized in the body by one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Amen. So we're baptized to become a member of the body of Christ. So we're all to be baptized with water. Bill, if you come to the keyboard, please. For the remission of sin, we are to be baptized with the Holy Spirit for the endowment with power, being equipped for ministry and service. And we are to be baptized and set in the body of Christ for edification. That's God's will for each and every one of our lives. See, God said in the beginning, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. And so Jesus declared the Holy Spirit was coming as our helper and comforter so we would not be alone. I'm glad I don't have to do life alone. Amen? I'm glad that he's here for us. So think about it. The promise of the Father was, sin, was to send the helper, the one who would complete us and make us whole in him. I like the accounts when you read history and you read the accounts of men and women of God. You come across accounts like these of Charles Finney and D.L. Moody. Charles Finney uh, had an experience with God, a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit without any <clears throat> expectation of it, without ever having thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me without any recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me body and soul. 
Until Finney had this baptism. He's in his office. He was a lawyer. And he just feels a call of God to pray. And then God descends upon him. And here's what we do. We like to put God in a box. You have to do it this way. You have to be standing. You have to be sitting. You have to be in an upper room. You have to be in a lower room. You have to be in this place. You have to have this person pray. It has to be an apostle. It has to be this. It has to be. Hands have to be laid on you. This has to be. No. God does it any way he wants. The reality is, is that the promise is to everybody. Peter said the promises to you and to your children. Then D.L. Moody, he had begun his preaching career. And three little, sweet little old ladies came up to him after one meeting. And they said, you're good, but you don't have any power. How many know little old ladies can't say anything they want? Well, they just come up to him and say, you're good, but you don't have any power. You need the power. We're praying for you to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Moody had this encounter with them, and this is what happened. They said, you need power. They poured out their heart that I might receive the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Look at this. Seven years later, there came such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. From that moment, Moody was chained. And then you read his history of what happened. You read about Finney. Finney walked in such anointing that factory. I mean, he would walk into factories and witness. They would be shut down. It was amazing what happened during the Great Awakening in Charles Finney and what God did through D.L. Moody. Are you listening to me? The power of the Holy Spirit. So the question this morning is, what could happen? If the church once again was made up of truly born-again, spirit-filled men and women of God, surrendered to His will and called to fulfill His purpose, what would happen? What happened? We got born again again. Just got excited. No, you can't get reborn again. But just got excited about being born again, about being alive in God, about being baptized with the Spirit. A people empowered and led by the Holy Spirit to preach Christ to the world. What is the Holy Spirit for? It is not so we can have Christian gatherings where we come together and do things in the Holy Ghost and believers walk away. We, we don't just have believer meetings. The Holy Spirit wasn't given for believer meetings. He was given to evangelize the world, to give us power to be a witness, to reach the lost. Amen? That's what the anointing is for. We are all called to the mission field. Every one of you is called to be a missionary. You have a mission field in your life. Whether it is foreign or whether it is right here. It is here or on a foreign field abroad. What is that mission field for? To reach, to raise, and to release them back into the harvest. God will reach you. But the purpose is to send us out into the harvest. Are you with me? That's what Jesus did. And that's what the commission is for. Think about it. There are souls who have never heard. But would hear and receive the gospel if someone would love them enough to tell them. There are people in your mission field. Here's what we do. We like to choose our mission field. We want our first mission field to be the ones that we are emotionally connected to. We want all of our loved ones to be saved. Are you listening to me? So, so, so we, we don't want to move outside to anybody else until God meets our emotional need of having our loved ones saved. I don't get, ever get an amen on this area, but it's the truth. So we want, God, I'm praying for my kid. I'm praying for my husband. I'm praying for my wife. I'm praying for them. Well, that's fine, but maybe they're not your mission field. 
Because the Lord said that if you would live for him, that he promised you that you and your household will be saved. So what would happen if I took God at his word and believed his word and walked by faith in the knowledge that his word is true? And when I looked at my family, when I looked at my children, when I looked at my loved one, I just saw them. You are saved and there's nothing you can do about it. Because God said me and my household will be saved. And so that's settled. Now I can move on to my mission field. But what happens is the devil keeps you emotionally constrained and restricted because you're not seeing the results that you think you should be seeing right now. And you have no idea what God has to do to lead that loved one to the Lord. So if you could just trust God for their salvation, he could release you into the harvest field, the mission field that is assigned to you because there's somebody that will receive him if we would tell them. Are you with me this morning? Kurt Von Scheller said this, our, our God of grace often gives us a second chance, but there's no second chance to reap a harvest that is right. Jim Elliott, missionary to the Akua Indians of Ecuador said, he is no fool who gives up all, who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And he was martyred trying to reach the Akua Indians. James Calvert, missionary to the cannibals in Fiji Island, was told by the ship's captain that if he went among them, he would lose his life. His reply was, sir, we died before we came here. Think about that. David Livingston said, as a missionary to Africa, sympathy is no substitute for action. If a commission, hear this, if a commission by an earthly king is an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Glory to God. What a statement. Come on, God has, God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, has set a commission upon your life and in my life. And he's endued us with the power to fulfill it. You have a commission from Almighty God. What an honor to live for God, to serve him. Think about it. Bob Pierce, the founder of World Mission, said this. Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. You know what breaks the heart of God? You know, two weeks ago on a Tuesday night, after church, I was just sitting up winding down, and it was late, about 11.30, and I heard a tremendous crash. And right on the corner of, of, of Cambridge and Cimarron Drive, there was an accident. Wednesday, coming home from work, there was a huge gathering of people out there. Turned out it was a young 21-year-old boy that was killed in a car wreck on Tuesday night. Young man didn't know the Lord. And they're having a memorial. And all around that memorial, just beer bottles and candles. Everybody standing out there drinking and smoking dope and, and remembering this young man. You know what breaks the heart of God is a 21-year-old man who dies at 1130 with substance in his body. Amen? And dies premature. That's what breaks the heart of God. And now that 21-year-old man will spend eternity separated from God. God, break my heart with what breaks yours. Amen? Break my heart with what breaks yours. Matthew chapter 9. Would you stand with me as I close? Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. Hear this. Seeing the people, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited. 
like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So today as we remember Pentecost, let me challenge you again with the commission. The heart of God is still the same. When he sees the world, he sees the lost and the broken, the hurt, those in despair, those dispirited, those just, just distressed. And his heart breaks because he is their answer. And all they need is someone to tell them. That's why Paul said, how will they hear without a preacher? And God commissions us to go. If I could tell you after all these years of living for God, that when you live for others, God makes sure you receive your own. Amen. When you just live to see others receive, God makes sure that you receive. You never lose saying yes to God. When you just say yes to the honor, just stop and think, God, God has given me the honor of being commissioned to go. What an honor to be used by God. So why not choose today to take the advice of the Lord and follow His example by being born again by His Spirit, by being baptized and filled and anointed, and by being baptized into the body of Christ, living to edify others. Just thinking about edifying. I, I get so encouraged by wanting to edify somebody else. You build by giving. The principle of giving, of sowing and reaping. When you're sowing, when you're giving, there's always a multiplied heart. You can't give out spiritually to others. The greatest thing you can sow is the gift of God on the inside of you. The greatest thing. The least you can sow is your money. God's given you such a greater resource than you will ever have in your checkbook. You could never write a check for somebody's healing, but by the anointing of God and the power of God, you could believe these signs follow them that believe. They lay their hand on the sick and they recover. You can't write a check for that, but you have the power to walk in that in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So God, bow your head. Heavenly Father, today, Lord, I pray a fresh outpouring of your Spirit upon our lives. Holy Spirit, come in your power. Lord, in the book of Acts, come on, just begin to pray with me right now. Come on, ask God to do something fresh. Reach out for something new in your life. Stir something up on the inside of you. Listen, in the book of Acts, it says, and they all began to pray. And as they were praying, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they were all filled again. The, the Holy Spirit came. He's a filling God. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, but every be being filled. Always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, let Him flow through your life right now. Begin to pray in the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you. So come on, stir something up on the inside of you. Today, God, pour your Spirit out upon Fred. Lord, let your compassion, Jesus, give us your eyes to see our world. You looked out and you were moved with compassion because they were distressed and they were dispirited. God, let us see the broken of our world send us out to reach them Lord God give us compassion let us know we have a greater resource in the power of the Holy Spirit we have more than money could buy we have the anointing of God we have the gifts of God we have your power upon us God use us for your glory use us for your glory hallelujah Hallelujah. Use us, God. Stir us up, God. Commission us, God. Let us walk in the honor of knowing we're called by you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you. We worship you. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah.